Hello, 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 and you're all very welcome back to the Calm Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And I'm your host, Shane McKay, and we've got a lovely, lovely show in store for you today with another reading from Chris Sneed, and he's going to continue on to The Wind of the Willows, which is a great classic story, one of my favourites. So I'm just going to check, double check. Chris, are you there? That I am. Okay, that great. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll get out of here, and I won't heckle, I promise. Ah, go on. <laughs> okay, guys, listen, enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side. We'll pick up where we left off. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but he began to feel more and more jealous of the rats, sculling so strongly and so easily along, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. He jumped up and seized the skulls so suddenly that the rat, who was gazing out over the water, and saying more poetry things to himself, was taken by surprise, and he fell back off his seat with his legs in the air for the second time, while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the skulls with entire confidence. Stop it, you silly ass, cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't do it, you'll, you'll have us over. The mole flung his skulls back with a flourish and made a great dig at the water. He missed the surface altogether, and his legs flew up above his head, and he found himself lying on top of the prostrate rat. Greatly alarmed, he made a grab at the side of the boat, and the next moment, splush, over went the boat, and he found himself struggling in the river. Oh my, how cold the water was, and how very wet it felt, how it sang in his ears as he went down, down, down. How bright and welcome the sun looked as it he rose to the surface coughing and sputtering how black was his despair when he felt himself sinking again then a firm paw gripped him by the back of his neck it was the rat and he was evidently laughing the mole could feel him laughing right down his arm and through his paw and so into his the mole's neck the rat got hold of a skull and shoved it under the mole's arm and then he did the same by the other side of him and swimming behind, propelled the helpless animal to shore, hauled him out and set him down on the bank, a squashy, plumpy lump of misery. When the rat had rubbed him down a bit and wrung some of the wet out of him, he said, Now then, old fellow, trot up and down in the towing path as hard as you can till you're warm and dry again, while I dive for the luncheon basket. So the dismal mole, wet without and ashamed within, trotted about till he was fairly dry, while the rat plunged into the water again, and recovering the boat, righted her and made her fast, fetching his floating property down to the shore by degrees, and finally dived successfully for the luncheon basket and struggled to land with it. When all was ready for a start once more, the mole, limp and dejected, took his seat in the stern of the boat as they set off. He said in a low voice, broken with emotion, Ratty, my generous friend. I am very sorry indeed for my foolish and ungrateful conduct. My heart quite fails, fails me when I think how I might have lost your beautiful luncheon basket. Indeed, I have been a complete ass, and I know it. Will you overlook this once, and forgive me, and let things go on as before? That's right, bless you, responded the rat cheerfully. What's a little wet to a water rat? I'm more in the water than out of it most days. Don't think any more about it, and look here. I really think you'd better come and stop with me for a little time. It's very plain and rough, you know, 
not like Toad's House at all, but you haven't seen that yet. Still, I can make you comfortable and I'll teach you to row and to swim and you'll soon be as handy on the water as any of us are. The mole was so touched by his kind manner of speaking that he could find no voice to answer and he had to brush away a tear or two with the back of his paw. But the rat kindly looked into in another direction and presently the mole's spirits revived up again and he was able to give some straight back talk to a couple of more hens who were snickering to each other about his bedraggled appearance. When they got home, the rat made a bright fire in the parlour and planted the mole in an armchair in front of it, having fetched down a dressing gown and slippers for him and told him river stories till supper time. Very thrilling stories they were too, to an earth-dwelling animal like mole. Stories about weirs and sudden floods and leaping pike and streamers that flung hard bottles, at least bottles were certainly flung, and from steamers, so presumably by them, and about herons, and how particular they were to whom they spoke to, and about adventures down drains, and night fishings with otter, or excursions far afield with badger. Supper was a most cheerful meal, but very shortly afterwards, a terribly sleepy mole had to be escorted upstairs by his considerate host to the best bedroom where he soon laid his head on a pillow in great peace and contentment, knowing that his new-found friend, the river, was lapping at the sill of his window. This day was only the first of so many similar ones for the emancipated mole, and each of them longer and fuller and, and fuller of interesting things as the ripening summer moved onwards. He learned to swim and to row and entered into the joy of running water. And with his ear to the reed stems, he caught at intervals something of what the wind went whispering so constantly among them. Okay, we'll take a little break here for a second. And I'll slip back into my normal voice. <laughs> so I'm going to get a breather, have a drink, and I'll be back to you shortly. And you're very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness and if you'd like to get in touch with calm projects you can email us us at calmprojects.info at gmail.com and please if you can remember to help each other help us all Welcome back. Chapter 2 The Open Road Ratty, said the mole suddenly, one bright summer morning, if you please, I want to ask you a favour. The rat was sitting on the riverbank, singing a little song. He had just composed it himself, and he was very taken up with it, and would not pay proper attention to the mole, or anything else. Since early morning, he had been swimming in the river in company with his friends, the ducks. And when the ducks stood on their heads suddenly, as ducks will do, he would dive down and tickle their necks just under where their chins would be if ducks had chins. Till they were forced to come up to the surface again in a hurry, spluttering and angry, and shaking their feathers at him. For it is impossible to say quite all you feel when your head is underwater. At least they implored him to go away and attend to his own affairs and leave them to mind theirs. So the rat went away and sat on the riverbank in the sun and made up a song about them, which he calls Duck's 
ditty. All along the backwater, through the rushes tall, ducks are dabbing up tails all. Ducks tails, drakes tails, yellow feet a quiver, yellow bills all out of sight, busy in the river, slushy green undergrowth, where the roach swim. Here we keep our larder, cool and full and dim. Everyone for what he likes, we like to be heads down, tails up a dabbling free. High up in the blue above, the swift whirls a call. We are down a dabbling, up tails and all. I think very much of that little song, Rat, observed the mole cautiously. He was no poet. He was no poet himself, and didn't care who knew it, and he had a candid nature. Nor do the ducks, replied the rat cheerfully. They, they say, why can't fellows be allowed to do what they like, when they like, and as they like, instead of other fellows sitting on banks and watching them all the time, making remarks and poetry and things about them? What nonsense it all is. That's what the ducks say. So, so it is, said the mole. With great heartiness. No, it isn't, cried the rat indignantly. Well, then, it isn't, replied the mole soothingly. But what I wanted to ask you was, won't you take me to call on Mr. Toad? I've heard so much about him, and I do so want to make his acquaintance. Why, certainly, said the good-natured rat, jumping to his feet and dismissing poetry from his mind for today. Get out the boat, and we'll paddle up there at once. It's never the wrong time to call on Toad. Early or late, he's always the same fellow. Always good-tempered, always glad to see you, always sorry when you go. He must be a very nice animal, observed the mole, as he got into the boat and took the skulls, while the rat settled himself comfortably in the stern. He is indeed the best of animals, replied the rat. So simple, so good-natured, so affectionate. Perhaps he's not very clever. We can't all be geniuses, and it might be that he is both boastful and conceited. But he has got some great qualities, has Toady. Rounding a bend in the river, they came in sight of a handsome, dignified old house of mellowed red brick, with well-kept lawns reaching down to the water's edge. There's Toad's Hall, said the rat. And the creek on the left, where the notice board says private, no landing allowed, leads to his boathouse, and we leave the boat there. The stables are over there to the right. There's a banqueting hall. That's what you're looking at now. Very old, that is. Toad is richer. Richer, you know, than any other animal, you know, and this is really one of the nicest houses in these parts, though he never admitted as much to the toad himself. They glided up the creek, and the mole shipped his skulls as they passed into the shadow of a large boathouse. Here they saw many handsome boats slung from the crossbeams or hauled up on a slip, but none in the water, and the place had an unused and deserted air around it. The rat looked around him. I understand, said he. Boating has played out. He's tired of it and done with it. I wonder what new fad he has taken up now. Come along and let's look him up. We shall hear all about it quite soon enough. They disembarked and strolled across the gay flower-decked lawns in search of Toad, whom they had presently happened upon resting in a wicker golden chair, with a preoccupied expression on his face, and a large map spread out on his knees. We'll stop there again. We'll pop back into the white room. 
That's great, Chris. Thanks so much for reading this. What do we expect to come up now in the next little bit? We don't, not too many spoilers, but what's... Well, you see, the Toad is kind of the charismatic character of the bunch. Like, he's... he's, he's uh, they have to kind of bring him to task and kind of stop him from being a bit too enthusiastic about things. The, la- the last part of the book is all about trying to stop the Toad from being a bit of a... Bit of a he's nightmare. an eccentric character. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah. do you know who I loved actually in the in the in the in the, in the uh, David Jason doing uh, the voice of Toad? Actually, yeah, he's the perfect one for that character. That's yeah, you know. like he did Danger Mouse and like he's not he's known he's known for uh, Del Boy, and then he did the more serious stuff like Touch of Frost. But there's some of the kids stuff he did. What did the other one Count Duckley? That was another yeah, one he, he did. Was Count Duckley, yeah, he was involved in King Arthur's Disasters as well. Which was uh, Rick Mayall was King Arthur in it. Oh, that's a brilliant one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a brilliant yeah. one. Okay, um, guys, listen, we got to go. We got we to gotta shoot because um, I'm just keeping an eye on the time there and we might have our times mixed up a little bit, Chris. <laughs> so we got to go. Right. We got to go. So everybody, right. listen, keep well. And as we like to say around here, help each other, help us all. Yeah, all the best. Mm-hmm.